I often say both God and Satan want you dead, each for different reasons. God wants to allow your old man to die, but Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. And so what we have to do is cooperate with the God part of that. Our guest today on First Person is Oz Hillman of Marketplace Leaders. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Marketplace Leaders seeks to help people find God's calling in their work life, and you'll hear our guest's personal story in just a moment. We've set up a website to give you additional information about what you hear each week on this program. Online, we are found at firstpersoninterview.com. In addition to the audio archive of today's interview, plus all past interviews, there's a schedule of upcoming broadcasts. Check us out at firstpersoninterview.com. Oss Hillman and his organization, Marketplace Leaders, has as its mission to equip men and women to fulfill God's calling in and through their work life and to raise up change agents who will influence the culture for Jesus Christ. This mission was born from Oss Hillman's own story of failure and success, which you'll hear today. We spoke on the phone recently, and I asked him to start at the very beginning. Yeah, I was raised in the South, in uh, South Carolina, in Columbia, South Carolina, and my dad was uh, owner of a toy store, and I can tell you it was great growing up with a dad in the toy industry, and you know, I got to see the toys every year. I had four sisters, and we were a church-going family, but I wouldn't necessarily say that we had a real close relationship with God or and uh, But my dad started me playing golf when I was 11 years old. I became very good at it. By the time I was 14, I had three hole-in-ones and had broken 70 several times. And so early on, I knew I wanted to play golf for a living. I went to school on a golf scholarship. But before that, uh, when I was 14 years old, my dad was killed in an airplane crash. Mm. He was the president of a company, and uh, the uh, CEO and vice president were in that. And we learned quickly why you don't have those three people in the same plane because the company went down two years later. And uh, my mother came to Christ through that experience in a very deep way and uh, credits the Lord for really saving her life through that experience because she was deeply in love with my dad. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I went to school on a golf scholarship, uh, and uh, really I I went uh, after I finished school, I didn't get to the level of uh, of competitive golf that I wanted to. I went to Myrtle Beach to get away from my mom, who by this time was preaching to me. <laughs> and uh, I uh, and there was a pastor that was in the church I grew up that moved to Mer- North Myrtle Beach. And uh, they became in cahoots together uh, trying to save this wayward 18-year-old. I see. And okay. uh, so they, they, they tag-teamed me and... Uh, I came to Christ there through his ministry to me, and my life changed forever. I eventually ended up out in Colorado and gave Gerald Ford golf lessons in Vail, Colorado, as an assistant pro. And uh, and uh, But a few years later, I ended up uh, getting out of golf and getting into business and starting an ad agency in Atlanta, Can I stop you there for a moment and take you back? I know we're getting into some really interesting parts of the story here, but I want to take you all the way back to when your dad was alive and you were a young boy playing golf. You you played together, apparently, right, with your dad? Absolutely, yeah, and I caddied for him every Saturday, usually. So you have some great memories of that time with your dad, even though you were quite young when he died. 
Yes, I do have some great memories, but uh, I would say that as I teach uh, others about fatherhood, I realized that my family, my, da- I, my dad, obviously, he was in World War II, and that whole generation was a generation that didn't always share feelings very easily. And I would later learn how that would affect me as an adult. But uh, so I, I learned very early in life that performance was how I gained love. And uh, that would later become a major part of my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a dad who was of that generation as well and know of what you speak. But uh, great, the greatest generation, but not always great at sharing their feelings and telling us that they loved us, were they? Yeah, in fact, uh, I don't think my I don't recall my dad ever saying that to me. Though I certainly knew he did. Yeah. And uh, uh, in my own uh, workshops that I teach, I find that about ten percent of the people I teach have those words said to them when they were young. Hmm. Okay, so we uh, we have you in Colorado. You're a young uh, golf pro, or just teaching golf at least. Yeah, I'm a golf pro. I, I worked at three different clubs uh, during that time, two summers in Vail, Colorado, and and then uh, ended up uh, back in North Carolina for a season. But uh, ultimately, I went to Bible school thinking that, well, if I'm just sold out to the Lord, I must be called to be a pastor. And uh, I think many people think that when they get excited about God and want to serve Him. But I realized I really wasn't called into vocational ministry, at least as a pastor, although later I would see that in many ways I was, but it came in a different package. (laughs) You know what? I keep jerking you back in time, but I want to go back one more time to that that mother and that pastor. You said they were in cahoots with each other. Um, and you were trying to w- run away from your mother who you felt was preaching at you. What, what eventually, how did the Lord get a hold of you eventually back then? Well, I was, I was really involved in gambling uh, there at the beach. I was trying to raise money to get on the tour. And every time I tried to do that, something negative would happen. And I just, it became a death of a dream. And so since my whole life was playing that game, you know, when that didn't work, it caused real crisis in my life. Uh, although, you know, that's hardly a crisis when you think of what's going on in the world. But for a 22-year-old whose vision is to do that, you know, it, it is his crisis, and it was for me. Sure. And so this pastor, uh, all I had known in my Christian life was do's and don'ts as it relates to church. And so I, I was raised in a tradition that seemed to be very legalistic but didn't have really the relationship side of it, uh, you know, down very well. And so um, this pastor really modeled the, the love of Christ, and uh, he just kept accepting me. And one of the big turning points for me was when he said the words to me, he said, you know, I said to him, I said, I think I understand what a Christian is, but if I become a Christian, do I have to give up this, this, and this? You know, and they were obvious, obviously sinful behaviors I was talking about. And uh, he he made this amazing reply to me. He said, I'm not going to tell you you have to give up any of that. But I will say that if you take the first step and invite Jesus into your heart, I believe that he will begin to change your heart to the things that are important to him. And uh, 
And that, that, that uh, response took me so off guard that it allowed me to go further hmm. and ultimately pray that prayer. Isn't that interesting? And uh, he, he was right because God did begin to change my heart yeah. and change me into more things he wanted me to do. Yeah, the pastor didn't have to do it. The Holy Spirit did. So were you one of right. those people that your life was just transformed instantly like that, or did it take some time? How did it work out? I was transformed instantly. My heart, I, I don't think I'd ever read a book through college, and uh, I became a voracious reader, and uh, I began reading the Word every day, and I could just could not get enough. I was at church all the time. And, uh, you know, God truly did change my heart in a very dramatic and fast way. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty dramatic for me, and I've never had a backslidden season in 40 years of walking with Christ. Hmm. All right, now let me jump back ahead to uh, your time in Colorado. You decided to go to uh, Bible college, Bible school, and then you felt called to the pastorate. Well, I, this was not really a kind of seminary. It's more of a four-month training school that someone could go and really just enmesh, immerse themselves into the Bible. And so I studied the Bible, and it was part of a, a large church out of California, uh, Chuck Smith Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so um, at the end of the school, they said, we have need of some people to help out with a new church plant in Atlanta, are any of you willing to go there? And so I was single, and uh, although I was just about to get engaged, I we ended up moving there to help out. But after three months, I, I realized it wasn't for me, and the church realized I wasn't for them, and, they, uh, and I was forced to go into business of selling printing, and that sort of started me into the business realm. All right, and uh, the business realm is where God really wanted you, it, it, it appears. We'll talk more about that coming up in a few minutes. But uh, when you left the church, that must have been, I mean, you said it was mutual, but it, it had to be disappointing at the same time. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on. I, I was trying to to reconcile the whole uh, commitment to Christ. And, you know, I think that there's so many people that were like me, uh, especially business guys, they think, well, business is evil, and all this other stuff I was doing, secular stuff, was not really pleasing to God. And and we know the Bible really doesn't delineate between uh, our work, you know, that's spiritual and unspiritual. That's been a whole life from the devil to make something sacred and something secular. And so uh, it took me a long time to get to that place of understanding that whatever you do, do unto the Lord as the Lord Christ you're serving. Colossians 3.23 tells us that. And so uh, it took me time, and then uh, I had to go through my own larger crisis to really get to the depth of a calling and understanding adversity and many of the things that were to come into my life. There's more from the life story and lessons learned from Os Hillman on today's edition of First Person Coming Up. This weekly program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company. Together, we are committed to telling the stories of Christ at work in the nations of the world. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50 of those countries, reaching people in over 100 languages, introducing them to God's love and discipling them through God's Word. To learn more about FEBC and its broadcasts, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click the banner FEBC. 
That's firstpersoninterview.com. My guest today is Oz Hillman. Oz is the president of Marketplace Leaders. He's the author of at least a dozen books I know about. I'm reading, I think, your latest book, Oz, is called Change Agent, Engaging Your Passion to Be the One Who Makes a Difference. Is that the latest book? Actually, I've done uh, a couple of others since then. Um, I've done 14, and uh, I've done one, a new devotional called Listening to the Father's Heart, and and a book called Overcoming Hindrances to Fulfill Your Destiny. I know you have a daily email devotional that goes out as well, and that that is widely distributed, isn't it? Yes, I began writing TGIF Today God is First um, back in the end of 1999, and uh, that became very popular. In fact, that's what most people know me from. They seem to be very passionate about that devotional that goes to over 200,000 people a day by email around the world. And uh, it, it's just a short little message of uh, talking about how do I apply my faith when my world's falling apart, because I really wrote that during a, a very severe time of adversity in my life that lasted seven years. And I tell people, I didn't write this devotional for you. I wrote it for me <laughs> and uh, to to, to really force myself into the scriptures to understand how God takes a person from one place to another and why does he allow adversity in our lives. So your listeners can find that at todaygodisfirst.com. All right, and we'll put a link to that on our webpage as well. Uh, we'll talk more about your ministry today, but tell me about that time of adversity. It really hit you hard, didn't it? Well, it did. I had, by that time, had an had been running uh, my own ad agency for 12 years. It was uh, called the Aslan Group before anybody knew who Aslan was. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was uh, we had a good small ad agency. We, we served uh, clients like American Express and Steinway Pianos and a lot of Christian publishers. But uh, I had been in a marriage that was very, very difficult for both of us. We could not understand why we couldn't get along. And uh, then one day, uh, even though we'd been going to counseling and were committed to to really trying to work it out, she one day came and said, I want to uh, separate, and that was very devastating to me. And uh, But within three months, I had a number of things happen to me. I had uh, an investment that was similar to a Bernie Madoff situation of mm. over a half million dollars that disappeared overnight. Mm. Uh, through embezzlement of the investment company. And then I had uh, a client that represented 80% of our business who who fired us and stuck us with a $170,000 bill. Wow. Then I had a vice president come in and say, I'm leaving, but he didn't tell me he was taking my second largest account. <laughs> so I got down to almost zero uh, in terms of my resources after building wealth up to you know 44 years old. And uh, it was quite devastating because here I was a Christian. I was trying to, I was leading Bible studies. I was giving money to Christian causes. And I was doing all the Christian right things, and yet my world fell apart. Mm. And uh, this ushered me into a seven-year season of adversity. And it was during that season God really began to work in my life as I began to seek Him to understand what I was going through and why I was going through it. And little did I know God would turn that valley of Achor, which talks about in Hosea chapter 2.15, uh, Achor means trouble, 
into a door of hope, not only for me, but many others. And what I do today was really birthed in that season. And uh, so now I've been to 25 countries, written these 14 books, and this devotional now goes to, you know, over 200,000 people a day by email. And uh, he really, uh, you know, turned, you know, God doesn't necessarily bring trouble into our life. Uh, I think the devil often wants to bring trouble into our life. It says in John 10, 10, that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from our lives. And yet, even in the midst of that, he says, I will turn everything to good if you will turn to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing I've learned through my own journey is that God always has the last word. You know, he turns, uh, only Jesus made plan A. He turns our B plan and C plan into his A plan uh, through some strange way of working things out. But when you entered that seven, you didn't know it was going to last seven years. Uh, you didn't know if it would ever No, end. I didn't. <laughs> Thank um, God I didn't know that. <laughs> right. I mean, did you, did you resist uh, the Lord at that time, or what was your attitude? Well, one of the things I realized in that season, I... I I uh, I had a, a mentor who came in my life who really spoke very well into my life. And he said, you know, yeah, you've probably made some mistakes, but what you need to realize is the call is bigger than your mistakes. And uh, and so he said, he, he actually pulled out a napkin. It, this was two years into my journey. And he began to draw a diagram. He says, this is where you are. And this is the next place God's going to take you. And this will be the next place. It's all key upon you pressing in with all your heart to the Lord. All right. Before you go any further, i got to take you back to what he said. <laughs> He's, he said, the call is bigger than your mistakes. Right, right. Yeah, he was trying to say that, yeah, you're not a perfect individual. Just like Joseph wasn't a perfect individual, you know, he made a mistake with, with some of the things he said to his brothers that, that they ultimately threw him in a pit. In fact, he said to me, you have a Joseph calling on your life, uh, and a Joseph calling is someone who goes through extraordinary adversity for the purposes of God, and that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an adversity call. Not everybody has that. Not everybody's a Joseph. But he said, you're a Joseph, and you're called to be a spiritual and physical provider to others, but it's a marketplace call. You're called to the marketplace to equip leaders in the marketplace. And so that that really gave me hope. You know, I walked into that room a real failure uh, and then walked out with a call. And that's a whole different way of looking at life when you can see that. I'm, I'm thinking of the scripture that says, A broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. What is there about brokenness? I, I have friends who say, you know, you don't really grow up until you've been fired from a job. I'm not quite sure you have to go quite that far. But there is something about being broken um, before the Lord and realize that how dependent we really are on Him to make us wake up and, and see what we have in Christ. Well, I think brokenness is one of those primary attributes that is an absolute requirement for any leader. If you look at Dave, or excuse me, Moses, it says he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Uh, but I think he wrote that, so I'm not sure how to make sense of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, so, we'll move on from that. <laughs> but anyway, we do know that pride is one of those things God hates, and humility is very important. A friend of mine once said, beware of any Christian leader who doesn't walk with a limp. Hmm. 
Mm. And uh, mm. I think that that's so true. And uh, so, you know, I've, I was thinking about the life of Jesus, that he, too, was humble, and uh, it uh, he had to be unified with Christ or with, with the Father, which allowed that unity and that humility, and that ultimately led to him having authority because of that humility and the oneness with with the Father. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, humility is one of those things that uh, you don't, you don't willingly sign up for it, but it is a requirement. As we have just a minute left, and undoubtedly there are people listening, there is someone listening who's in the midst of that adversity right now. They are um, broken and their spirit is broken. Uh, your advice, your pathway to them to uh, look to the Lord? Well, I think we have to get on our knees and lay ourselves before God and, and, and trust uh, the one who knows about the future. I wrote a whole book about this called Upside of Adversity. And in fact, you can go to upsideofadversity.com and there's a lot of helpful things there for people to access for free that if you find yourself in adversity. But I think it's aspect of taking, you know, seeking God, uh, asking for grace every hour, every minute, every day. Sometimes you're just looking for the next 60 seconds. And uh, it's all about yielding and becoming dead to ourselves. I often say both God and Satan want you dead, each for different reasons. God wants to allow your old man to die, but Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. And so what we have to do is cooperate with the God part of that and fight for our destiny and, you know, and to receive our inheritance. It's all about yielding to him, and that's the key to getting out of a pit. I once told people in my workshops, I said, you'll know when you're ready to get out of the pit when it doesn't matter anymore. Joseph fought trying to get out of prison, even to the point of trying to interpret that that dream for the cupbearer. That's where you see he's still striving. But there came a point where he didn't strive anymore. He was dead. And I think he was the biggest surprise of any when he got extricated from prison. Well, after hearing Os Hillman's story today, I hope you'll visit us online to find out more about his ministry, Marketplace Leaders, and what they're doing to equip you to finding fulfillment and purpose through your work life. Something which is brand new now is that Os and I together host a weekly radio program and podcast called Faith, Work, and Culture. Each week, we choose a topic for discussion and talk about it with the goal of helping all of us live more intentionally and effectively in our work lives as we seek to represent Christ in the marketplace. We remind everyone that our work is a ministry and calling. For more about the program Faith, Work, and Culture, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and follow the provided link. And I hope you're making use of our smartphone app where you can listen to First Person or even download programs for listening at your convenience. Just search for First Person Interview in your favorite app store. And as always, you can stream these programs online at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, you'll meet Shanoa Alamu, a concert violinist who has dedicated her gift of music to Christ. Shanoa will bring her violin to the studio and share a favorite hymn with us. Don't miss it and other upcoming programs all listed in the schedule at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, inviting you back next week for First Person. First Person.